being in the house with my partner all day long has made it <laughs> difficult. I could have sex three times a day, every day. Right now, it is the last thing on my mind. We don't have those chances throughout the day being apart from each other to start missing each other. My sex drive is non-existent. It's creating a strange distance in my marriage. And honestly, I don't know how we'll turn this around when we come out of this time. You are listening to a short film produced by the Sounds team of researchers which was produced as a result of a quantitative study exploring the impact of COVID-19 on people's sexual life and behavior. And this will be the topic of today's show. Hi, my name's Sam Breakgear and welcome to Brains Bite Back. This is the podcast looking to explore all things related to psychology and technology in our modern society. Since the start of the pandemic, many aspects of our regular lives have been turned upside down, and this seems to be also true for our sex lives. In fact, an article published by the Washington Post at the start of the pandemic stated that we might see a coronavirus baby blip as a result of couples isolated together looking to pass the time. Meanwhile, for singletons, it would seem that social distancing and quarantines have thrown a spanner in the works for any hopes of dating. In this episode of the podcast, we will explore how sexual behavior has been impacted by the quarantine. To discuss this topic, we'll be joined by a number of guests from different backgrounds, all working to better understand and help us navigate the complicated changes to our sex lives during these unusual times. To kick off the show, we are joined by Matt Rizai, the founder and CEO of UpGuys, a company that offers professional advice and prescription drugs with direct-to-door delivery and a strong focus on erectile dysfunction treatments. Matt shares with us how the company's client profile has changed since the start of the pandemic, why he believes we are witnessing this change, and what the impact of the pandemic will be on how men approach their sexual health in the future. Following Matt, we are joined by Jerusha Bennett, Senior Director of Brand Strategy and Innovation at The Sound, a brand strategy and product innovation agency, alongside her co-worker, Annie Pecoraro, the Director of Creative Analytics. They join us to discuss research conducted by the pair, which takes a quantitative look at the impact of COVID-19 on people's sexual life and behavior. They share with us findings such as how the quarantine has impacted masturbation, the lives of singletons, and what it means for couples with children who are home all the time. I hope you enjoy the show. Disclosure. This episode contains a client of an Espacio portfolio company. This episode is brought to you by Publicize, a digital PR company that grows businesses' online presence. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. Uh, Matt. Can you tell our listeners who you are and what UpGuys does and what you do for the company, please? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for the opportunity. My name is Matt Rezai, and I'm a pharmacist and the CEO and founder of UpGuys.com. In UpGuys, what we do is we have provided like a one-stop shop for men, particularly, to get their medical treatments from us. You say, as a user come to our website, you talk to a doctor directly, and you choose your medication with the help of the doctor, 
And the next step is receiving the medication at your door. So if you are a man, you can be our customer. Excellent. I think that the issues that you're helping with, guys with, I think it sounds like you've created an incredibly efficient solution to something which I suppose some men might have some hesitation towards like dealing with like going to their doctor and perhaps dealing with in the conventional sense. So I think that this sounds like a, a really smart solution. Thank you so much. Yeah, so being a healthcare provider for, for over a decade now, this is what I've seen, that men are actually the part of the population who need more help with, with the healthcare system. For some reason, and I'm not sure why exactly, Sam, we are not, we men, I mean, are yeah. not the best <laughs> when it comes to uh, taking care of ourselves, physical, mental health, mental health. I don't see that uh, reason really vividly. I have my guesses, but I see that women in general take a better care of their body, their mind than men. Like we just come with a flat out denial most of the time when someone brings up something about our health and it takes us years sometimes to really address a health issue. So that is, that is the idea behind having a specific healthcare system only for men. And so far, we see, we see a very good response from men all over Canada. That's awesome. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that there is this kind of like old mentality of as a man, you just like shut up and deal with it and move on. But I think that's such an outdated and ridiculous kind of mentality to have. So it, it's good that men have the opportunity to use services like yours and take better care of themselves, definitely. Uh, but I'd be really interested to know uh, specifically, how has the quarantine impacted sales of your products or behavior surrounding like your users relating to sexual health? Mm -hmm. Interesting question. So we have different categories of the medications that we are covering and we are adding basically categories on a daily basis. We are adding hair loss, anxiety, different categories to, to our platform. But by far the most impact uh, has been seen in our sexual health category. So let's start like this way. At the beginning, we had a dip of, I guess, people trying to figure out what's happening. I was emotionally experiencing that, like what's happening to myself, to my kids, like what's going to happen uh, in future. I, I think most of us share this experience. And we saw that in the basically number of people or number of men who were reaching out, uh, reaching out at that time. And after that dip, the increase was amazing. It was a steady increase of men reaching out for, for their sexual health. I have some theories around it. I'm not honestly sure why mm -hmm. that happened, but I do see that our customer base, men in general, in Canada at least, they are now more eager to take care of themselves. This is an interesting concept, Sam. Mm -hmm. Before COVID, and you try to make sense of it, before <laughs> COVID, the majority of our customers were men, younger adults, who were just looking for, I would say, to just impress maybe a partner. There was no real erectile dysfunction when mm -hmm. they were coming for an erection medication. It is still the case. Most of our customers, they don't have any dysfunction. They are like just looking for a self-improvement uh, tool. Mm -hmm. And it was like mainly for 
short-term use of a medication to, I don't know, when you go for a date, they just wanted to impress the uh, lover. Mm-hmm. Now, or like after COVID, it is very interesting that most of our customers are in long-term relationship. They kind of take on themselves to make something work better, to mm. make sex more pleasurable for their partner. It's just like a, a moving thing actually to see that the clientele has changed a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe because the life routines have changed a bit. That's a really interesting shift. And I would be really interested to see more data around this. And I think it would take a perhaps more of a, a qualitative approach, like interviews and stuff like that. And obviously it's, it's somewhat personal. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I think you're absolutely right. I think that certainly in this moment of quarantine, there's a lot of time for reflection. Also, like you said, a lot of partners which are stuck together and perhaps they are just trying something new or just looking to take things up a notch. Do you have any other theories? You said you had a, you had a few theories around it. Sure. I mean, I have a list of stuff that, I mean, we, we talked about this, trying to make sense of it, right? One, one theory that I have personally is uh, the role of a stress in uh, basically relationships. So we didn't, all of us experience that. No one was really ready for this level of change that happened. Mm. And that causes stress. Now, two things to consider. One Men normally perform when everything, I mean, sexually, they perform when everything else is working in their mind. Meaning that if you don't have the peace of mind that you need, men cannot fake it. It's yeah. just like it shows itself to, in, in the performance. Women can, I assume, but men just can't. It's just mm-hmm. physiologically impossible for a man to fake an erection. Now, the interesting part is you have sex as uh, one of the best stress relievers in, in everyone's disposal. And then, ironically, because of the level of stress that you have, because of like everything that's happening around you, all the worries that you have about job, economy, uh, your kids' school, everything happening at the same time, you can't have access to that big stress reliever. So my, my idea here is many people, they realize that they need a little bit of help mm-hmm. to just break this vicious cycle of stress and not performing, stress and not performing. And it just builds up because if a guy cannot perform really at the mm-hmm. time of sexual activity, now all of a sudden you have another dose of stress for the next time that you're mm. trying to do it. And they just realize if there is any help to just break this, get back to normal, cope for that extra level of stress that they're enduring, that mm-hmm. might be helpful. And I, I think that could be one of the reasons that we saw this increase in men reaching out. Another theory that is not really that much of a theory. I really saw that was I think of COVID and the pandemic issue as kind of like an accelerator for getting us to to the future, like a speeding mm-hmm. up time that can have positive or negative consequences. But 
imagine this six months ago a year ago when we were talking to our customers saying that like the doctor will call you or you're going to have this virtual meeting with the doctor it was just such a foreign concept mm. for most of them like how it's even possible and now telemedicine telehealth these stuff like these kind of technologies they went ahead to like five years from now i was not expecting at all that this level of or this method of communication between healthcare providers and patients become so mainstream, kind of like this flip of a switch. Mm. And this happened, and this kind of like revealed that our, it's still our current healthcare system. The healthcare system in a traditional way is just lacking a lot of elements. And maybe sometimes we need a disaster like what happened to bring up different tools to make that available to, to people to start utilizing them. And I hope that we don't go back uh, to like the pure traditional way of doing things yeah. uh, in healthcare right after the issue is resolved. Yeah, definitely. And I think the one thing that is clear from this is that it's changed our perspective of how we approach things exactly like you said. And I think travel's another one. I, I heard that travel is expected to go down after COVID, not just for the obvious reasons, but also because companies are now very aware that, oh, maybe it's not necessary that someone's sent off on a business trip, or maybe it's not necessary that people attend meetings physically as frequently as they do. And that obviously saves a, a lot of time and energy on behalf of the employees that do the traveling or, or commute. And of course, it saves on like uh, greenhouse gases. So I think that this like necessity we've had to kind of adapt and change in some ways has made us more efficient in certain areas of our life. And I think that you gave an excellent example there. And I, I know that your team has been doing um, some work looking to the dynamics of relationships, of dating and dating rather during COVID. And could you tell us a little bit about what you found, you and your team have found? What we found is the idea of having a relationship being a relationship which has always been ever-changing has like made another change during the COVID time before that we were saying a lot of basically uh, traction happening in the hookup culture mainly i would say the cost of being engaged in a relationship uh, very soon very fast was not really high so the tools were available and the tools are available right now. Uh, you can basically find a partner pretty easily. There are apps, there are softwares uh, and websites help you doing that. And um, basically that was part of our culture, at least for the past uh, three to four years and was becoming more and more mainstream. What I see is we are going back a little bit towards more long-term, more committed relationships. My theory is now all of a sudden, first of all, the tools are not really that useful. People were locked down for a long time. Second, the risk or the cost of being in relationship with someone that you don't know enough about can actually be your life and the mm. life of your loved ones. So my prediction is 
we are going back to a little bit more traditional uh, sense of being in relationship. So if you have a girlfriend, a boyfriend, you just rather to be with them. If you don't, that was actually very interesting. I was looking at uh, some data uh, two months ago. Like many people, I don't have unfortunately the exact data right now. Many people, that was a big decision that now we are going to say quarantine ourselves. Mm-hmm. Should we be together? So they, they think of couples that uh, were not really that serious in their relationship. And now that lockdown is happening, should we actually move in? Are we that committed? Uh, and that is honestly something beautiful. Yeah. It's funny you should mention about um, couples or short-term couples quarantine together, quarantining together, not sure how to say that. Because a good friend of mine, she actually met a guy about a month or so before the quarantine came into effect. And um, they decided to to pass it out together. And he moved in with her after only knowing each other for like a month. And um, things have gone really well. And they've actually, I think, have plans on continue living together even when the quarantine passes. So, yeah, it's almost like steroids for like a good kind of like relationship. And the other way, uh, way around too. So yeah. you, you, you've heard of like couples that now they are kind of like stuck together for months and months. And I think even that is positive. So they, they, they looked into a relationship that was supposed to be like a long-term committed one. And they see that it is not working. It is dysfunctional mm. if you cannot really live uh, under the same roof for a long time. So that's why they say like after COVID is hopefully when they resolve, <laughs> we're going to have a lot of marriages and a lot of divorces as well. <laughs> yeah. So my last question to you, what impact will the pandemic have on the way men treat sexual health in the long term, do you think? I think with uh, the availability of telehealth, telepharmacy, telemedicine, we just stumbled upon a very good solution for men in particular. Men want to remain a little bit anonymous. They want to talk to people that like they are not too close to them. Unfortunately, many of the conditions, sexual conditions in particular, they are stigmatized in in the society. So I think COVID pushed all of us to figure out how we need to deal with these type of uh, conditions. And because of the success that happened in that area, UpGuys is just one of the examples. I believe that this positive trend will continue. Like a negative part of that I am very worried about the mental health issues that would be the result of this pandemic. And uh, I believe that is the real second wave of COVID, really. So I hope that we can use all of the experience that now we have dealing with, again, a stigmatized condition and kind of utilize that for the second wave that would be stress, depression, anxiety related to like the post-COVID issues. I'm both worried and also hopeful that there would be solution because the solution is handed to us like during this 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 hard hard time. I think that would be the challenge of if a, a year from now we're talking and if hopefully after a while the actual issue of COVID is resolved, 
I believe the mental health issues that come with that uh, would be the main challenge to deal with. The sexual health, however, is kind of now taken care of. We have the magic formula that, oh, okay, it worked perfectly during that time. We did all the tweaks that we need to do. And this tool is now available for men to uh, take advantage of. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the psychological impacts from this will be incredible to see just uh, not all great but also i think that there'll be a, a mixture because obviously i think this quarantine has brought a lot of people closer together and also it really highlights the fact that we're all the same it doesn't matter how rich you are or, or where where you are like everyone's impacted by this equally across the world so it doesn't really discriminate in that sense but yeah definitely i think there will be some negative mental health issues that come from this i know that virtual healthcare is becoming more prevalent and i can imagine that during this time it probably has spiked and I hope that that can be a remedy to some of the issues that people face. Um, but I suppose only time will tell. So we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Matt, if people want to follow you guys at up guys, what's the best way that for them to do that? Is there a social media you can point them to or your website? Sure. Yeah. Our website is uh, upguys.com. That's U-P-G-U-Y-S.com. And if they want to follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we are at UpGuysHealth. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sam. Would we be able to start with you both introducing yourselves a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do, please? Jerusha, if you want to go first. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Jerusha Bennett. Um, I'm a senior director of innovation and brand strategy at The Sound, um, which is an insight strategy and an innovation agency. And my background is predominantly in um, design and brand strategy and really understanding uh, human motivation behind their behavior and then how that really impacts their choices around brand and decision-making. Awesome. Thank you. And Annie, would you be able to do the same, please? Yeah. So I'm Annie Pecoraro. I'm a director of creative analytics at The Sound, and that is our very intentional kind of fancy term for uh, quantitative research. And we we call it creative analytics because we really believe in kind of the humanity and the beauty and the creativity in data. So whether that's actual survey answers or text or voices or images, you know, almost everything can be seen as a data point. And I've spent my career really, you know, trying to bring that humanity to quantitative data and bring it to life in a really interesting and insightful way to help clients solve their business challenges. Awesome. And I think uh, you did a really good job in this case. And I'm not going to go into detail too much. I'll leave that to you folks. But I checked out the video that you produced as a result of the study we're going to discuss. And it really was beautiful. It was like a really beautiful interpretation of this quantitative data. And it was almost like an art piece. But I suppose before I go into any more detail now, I'd love to get your description of what it is that you embarked on here. So could you tell us what the motivation was to conduct this study and how was the study conducted? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just for context, the sound is an insight strategy and innovation agency. So truly, we are uh, curious by nature and, and really driven to understand human behavior. To be honest, though, the motivation to conduct this particular study came about when a team member dialed into a meeting a few minutes late, and they were rather flustered, flushed, and had let us know sort of a little bit um, embarrassed that they had seized the one moment that they had 
during lockdown amidst kids and pets and working from home 24 seven um, that had presented itself for intimacy, a moment of intimacy with their partner. Um, of course, we all had a good laugh uh, the moment and appreciated the honesty, but it got us thinking because it was an re incredibly relatable moment. And because it was relatable to our core team, we recognized likely rather relatable to, to, to people more broadly. And so we, we really wanted to set up upon understanding everyone's sex lives are are likely being impacted in different ways um, during this lockdown time, during COVID and, and this forced quarantine and in some instances forced separation from loved ones and, and partners. So why not explore it? And plus, to be honest, we're a rather bold and candid team anyhow. So there's uh, no topic is off limits for us. Um, this felt really like a natural fit for us to, to dig deeper and explore. Awesome. And so the way that we did that, we we kind of always try to think about the end in mind. What did we want to come out on the back of this uh, endeavor with? And we knew we wanted it to be real and human and creative and playful and bold. So not just a stodgy survey, tell us about your sex life on a scale of one to five and not just, hey, let's have a conversation about your sex life, but really marrying the two of those things. So we conducted first kind of an audit of what else was out there is anyone asking about people's sex lives or talking about it we were definitely aware of certain conversations happening and other studies taking place so we started there to understand well what are they asking and what are they not asking and using that as kind of context we designed our own survey so we did want to speak and get a quantitative read from a number of people but we designed that survey in a way that it was also playful so not just kind of boring survey questions, but we gave people the chance to, hey, share a meme or an image or a GIF that best describes your sex life right now. Uh, tell us a story that exemplifies how you're feeling about sexuality during the pandemic. So we, we used a really creative set of questions to prompt people to get the answers we were looking for. And then we also married that with having real conversations with people that they, they were very open to, to continuing the conversation and the dialogue. So at the end of our fieldwork, so to speak, we had not only a set of quantitative results with survey questions that we could analyze, but we had people's text responses that they had typed into a number of open ends. We had images to analyze, and then we had actual one-on-one -on -one conversations with people from which we could then build that beautiful film as well as the report. I feel jealous of many couples quarantining together. I now have zero sex life. Around the time quarantine started, I was just starting to think about the idea of dating again. Once quarantine hit, I knew that wouldn't be the case for a while. It really makes me appreciate skin-to-skin -skin contact. And how were the participants sourced for this experiment or study, rather? Great question. So in this case, because we wanted it to be pretty fast and real and also a, a little bit creative, we kind of went to the streets on this one uh, rather than going with a, a, a traditional panel and kind of you know sending things out and having all these different quotas. We, we realized this is a topic that not everyone is going to want to talk about, but let's let's see what we can find and let's see um, you know who's willing to engage with us on it. So we kind of went to our own networks of people. We, we went to social media and we said, look, we're curious. We want to know about the whole range of behavior that's happening. And maybe you're a person that's not comfortable talking about sex with someone one-on-one, -on -one, but you're willing to share our, you know, to, to fill out our survey. 
and answer some questions about it. So we we went with a pretty organic approach on this, which I think just enabled us to do it really quickly and also get some pretty authentic answers that we may not have gotten had we gone the traditional route. I would love to get into like the meat of this, like understanding what did your research show? Would you be able to dive into a little bit about what the research did show? And I can, I can start before um, Annie gets into some of the meat of it, but I, I would say that going into it, we really weren't sure, of course, as with any study, what it might look like. And, and certainly we had some hypotheses, you know, that this could be sort of painting a picture of um, either, you know, just very intercourse heavy narrative or the absence of that entirely. You know, we sort of were wondering how binary um, the results would be. And I think one of the most surprising and more encouraging um, findings that we had was that while, you know, COVID, of course, has had a negative impact on a lot of people's lives, there's no short of a shortage of optimism and a sense of opportunity um, moving forward. And so I'll let Annie talk a little bit more in detail around what that looks like. But I think there was um, some really interesting pieces that, that came out of this. Yeah, building on that, I think I was really encouraged that even though it was very clear, you know, when we when we asked people, you know, all these different questions and we asked them to share their stories, it's very clear that people's situations have a huge impact on how they responded. If if they're single, you know, you single people out there, you're having a tough time. I feel for you. You know, most of them were quarantining alone and a lot of their traditional avenues for dating and sexual interaction have been taken away. And that was really reflected in the data. So on the one hand, you know, those people were rating their sex lives as non-existent or, you know what, if I could give it a zero out of five stars, I would. So, you know, not surprising there. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum where, hey, we're quarantining together and we don't have kids and our jobs are flexible. So we're going at it like rabbits. I think that even though there was this spectrum, which was heavily influenced by people's situations, there was a recognition that, you know what, this won't last forever. This is temporary. And, while it, while it might be rough for me right now, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like that was the encouraging part for us. Another, another interesting thing, which maybe not earth shattering, but I think is really important is one of the biggest behaviors that people said they would change in the future. You know, we asked people to think about, okay, do you think you're going to be masturbating more than you are now in the future? Or, you know, are you still going to be doing all this dirty texting? Maybe you're doing it a lot now. Do you think you'll be doing that more in the future? One of the biggest changes we saw was, I think it was over 30% of people expected that they would be discussing their physical and sexual health with partners more in the future. And I think that's a really positive step. We know that sexual health is really tied to overall health. We know that mental health and emotional health is so important. And often there's a stigma associated with being that vulnerable and opening up. So I think we saw that as really encouraging that this has really shifted how people think about their health holistically, and they're more open to being that vulnerable with a partner in the future. Yeah, and, we're, and we sort of coined this, this notion of it being almost a sexual reset among people during this time. Really, again, regardless of life stage now, I think that sexual reset is both within themselves and, and within prospective or current partners. So really a watershed moment um, in sexuality and pleasure and, and sort of what people's um, perspectives are on their, on their bodies and their own needs. I got to say, I'm really interested to see what the domino effect is going to be from this. This is a time for reflection. 
I'm sure for many. So perhaps it will change the attitudes towards future behaviors or future actions collectively. Yeah. And I think this is something that given, you know, the work that we're hoping this feeds into is eventually helping to inform how brands might be engaging with people differently or more authentically in this space of pleasure and, and, and sexual well-being and, and, and sex positivity. That idea that the dialogue can be opened in a different way now. There's sort of a new baseline that we've all experienced on a global scale. Um, that has changed, and and you know, I think there's the opportunity to to really engage with people differently in in this space, and and sort of speak more at a human, uh, honest, vulnerable level than perhaps these brands have done in the past. Yeah, I definitely think that this has opened up a more kind of like humane perspective to the world because everyone's affected by this globally. So I think there's definitely an understanding that we're all in this together. So yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, and I would love for anyone listening to this to go check out the video and also your results if people do want to check out the video and see the work you've done what is the best way for them to find this online great question so they can go to thesoundhq.com and click on blog and it's right there excellent well i'd highly encourage anyone listening to go check that out and uh, annie and jerusha thank you so much for joining me today thanks thank sam you. great to talk with you I miss sex and physical touch a lot. I am excited about the shift and kind of having to reevaluate my personal position with sex. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, Publicize. Visit their website if you want to find out more about their PR for growth packages, their free resources, or even schedule a call. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like this, then you can check out more episodes just like this at sociable.co and you'll also find many articles on topics exactly like this. And to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher. Anywhere you find your podcast, we will be there, I promise you. And if not, let us know at, at The Sociable. You can tweet at us. Let us know what you think of this episode. Let us know what you want to hear for future episodes. And just generally tell us how we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. So until the next episode, take care.